Good morning, everyone. This is Elizabeth Copeland. And this is Hallie Williams. And we are here with another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art, the Woo-hoo. Grief Dialogues podcast. I feel like we need to get some like chanting, clapping in the background. Yay! Like, Yay! We're here today. Trumpets or something. We're, we're really excited. <laughs> Actually, we're extremely excited because it's a special day. It's the one-year anniversary of the publication of Finding the Right Words, written by author Sydney Weinstein. And I can't wait to hear more about Cindy and about this book. But first, Hallie has an important message. My important message is thank you so much to People's Memorial for sponsoring us. This podcast is sponsored in part by People's Memorial Association, the trusted resource and thought leaders for funeral choice, education, and advocacy in Washington State. PMA is the oldest and largest memorial society in our country. For 83 years, this nonprofit organization has been helping people make informed decisions through their classes, free legal resources, and planning tools. Visit their website at www.peoplesmemorial.org to learn more. While you're there, check out their event calendar for upcoming virtual classes and download their free resources to get started on your own end-of-life plan. And I always like to add that although People's Memorial is located in Washington State, so many of their resources are applicable throughout the country, so check them out no matter where you live. Yeah. So welcome, Cindy. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to hear about this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And first of all, we always like to ask, where are you you physically located? Where are you calling from? I'm from uh, South Pasadena, California. Ooh. Are you in a heat wave? Is it hot down there? It's brutal. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Pasadena can get pretty hot. So to say it's brutal, it must be really bad. It must be. Yeah. Yeah, It's nasty. It's not humid. It's humid, which is really unpleasant. But uh, we'll we'll, we'll be okay. It'll be helpful. Hopefully. Um, Talk talk about grief. That's a climate thing. There's a whole (laughs) grief there there for sure. Is there a thing called weather grief? Yeah. Oh, there's climate change grief. That's for sure. But today we're here to talk about your book. So, Hallie, I know you have a few questions. I do have a few questions. And I want to take a moment just to overview um, a little bit about Cindy so that our readers, our readers, oh my goodness, are you guys reading this podcast? Our (laughs) listeners have... um, kind of just the foundation to understand why we absolutely felt it was necessary to have her on this show. So um, Cindy says here, I'm an English professor who wrote a dual memoir, Finding the Right Words, A Story of Literature, Grief, and the Brain, with Dr. Bruce Miller, neurologist at UCSF, about my father's early onset Alzheimer's. I describe my father's illness from the point of view of a daughter and lover of literature and Bruce from the point of view of a son and neurologist. Oh my goodness, you guys. Words are not my friend today. And chapters about diagnosis, word finding, spatial disorientation, and behavior. The last chapter is about memory. And I am able to recover memories of my father before he became sick. Mm. Other really important things about Cindy is that she has two children and a dog named Scout. And, and her husband. But really, the important thing is that she has a dog named Scout. And I think, just think that that's cool. Because she named him after the character in To Kill a Mockingbird. That's yes. correct. Yes. Awesome. Okay, well, hi. Hi, there. <laughs> it's nice to meet both of you. Oh, 
great to meet you. Thank you for joining us. So you are my you are my Twitter buddy. Yes. Yes. I you know, I love that I I put out so much effort trying to keep us on social media and connect with people and so it, for me this is very special because I have succeeded in that to some degree and I remember that you reached out to us and and we saw your work through Twitter. So um that's pretty cool. <laughs> My efforts brought us together. Yes, I have um, found being on Twitter to be um, really helpful in terms of uh, trying to get the book into readers' hands. Mm -hmm. uh, we, um, Bruce and I had a publicist who was wonderful, um, and she encouraged me to go on social media, as did Johns Hopkins University Press, which is the publisher of the book. And uh, I wow. hadn't done any social media. Yeah. And uh, it turns out I really like it. Oh. And, uh, which I know may be an a unusual opinion. Um, mm -hmm. I stick to areas mm -hmm. uh, that I'm most comfortable with in, in a public kind of way. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, sharing information about the book and then hearing from readers how they found it to be really helpful that has pushed me to really try and broaden the outreach to the book and so when i saw that you were doing a series on the relationship between grief and art uh, it's something i've been thinking about more and more uh, I just really wanted to reach out to see if the book I wrote might be something you'd be interested mm. in discussing with me. Absolutely. So um, could you tell us what a dual memoir is? Memoir? Oh, I've been saying it wrong. So, uh, a, dual, a dual memoir, well, I kind of, I didn't quite make it up. The, the term has been in circulation, uh, but it's a memoir written by two people. And what is unusual, I think, about this memoir, and there are other dual memoirs out in the world, uh, but what's a little uh, anomalous maybe about this one is that um, Bruce Miller, uh, who is the neurologist at UCSF with whom I wrote the book, um, he, he never knew my dad. Mm. He, only, really? he, only knew, he only knew my father through the memories I shared with him about my father. And so the idea that it's a dual memoir, but one of the memoirists doesn't know the primary subject okay. of the memoir. Now that's uh, interesting. Strikes me as making it slightly different. Uh, but it's not just a memoir. It's not just by me. Right. Uh, because I felt that I, and we can talk about this if you want, the way I wanted to tell the story of my father's illness and my relationship to it uh, required bringing another person into the storytelling. Mm. 
Right, right. Okay, that was uh, that was my question. I get I get it now on the the dual memoir. Uh, that so his part of the memory is what you have told him. Is that am I got that? Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so for us at Grief Dialogues, you know, it's all about the power of story. That's what yeah. started the whole conversation. You know, six years ago was my sharing my story. That then I have found that in sharing my story. Other people, it just seems to give people the permission to share their story, and then you actually get a dialogue going. So right. what, uh, and I know Hallie's got a lot of great questions too, oh, but I'm going to jump in with one of my please. own uh, as, a, as a fellow writer. Uh, what stimulated you to write your book about your dad? What happened there? I was a graduate student uh, getting my PhD in English at Berkeley. And at Berkeley? At Berkeley. Okay. And it was basically about two years into being at Berkeley. Uh, my parents uh, lived in New Jersey and were retiring to Florida. Mm. It was during that time that uh, my father started having some, they're called clinical presentations, having, having some symptoms that I didn't know at the time were symptoms. Mm. Uh, and when I was 25, got a phone call from my mother and she told me dad had Alzheimer's. Oh and at that time, and at that time, all dementia was Alzheimer's. Um, we didn't have um, the sophistication, uh, yeah. this big sophistication that we that we now have, and sort of there's a umbrella category of dementia under which Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's, which is what my father had, he was uh, in his mid fifties, yeah. six five or younger is um, early onset Parkinson's wow. goes in there, mm. um, Huntington's, all all sorts of other brain diseases. Mm. My father's primary symptom was uh, difficulty with word finding, and mm. that hit incredibly close to the bone because I was becoming an expert in words. That's what I. That's your whole thing. Devoted, right. That's what I was devoting yeah. my life mm. to. And so that horrible synchronicity of my dad losing language while that was what I was devoting my life to understanding. It, it was always sort of that, that um, as I said, synchronicity um, that I needed to confront. Can, can I ask, was, did, it, did it feel ironic? Um, I talk about irony a little bit in the book. Um, because the chapter on word finding uh, is called uh, Call Me Ahab, which of course is a riff on the opening of Moby Dick. Moby Dick, yeah. 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 On so there was a horrible, horrible irony to it. Mm. Um, and oh. some of the book is, and your question is spot on, uh, Hallie, because some of it is um, about using my expertise as a literature professor right. and the language that I 
learned as an English professor with irony, <laughs> being really narrative, being really important, like uh, character, all of these terms uh, that I use in literature that I also use to process my father's illness, the mm. disintegration of character, the horrible irony, the fact that my father was losing narrative. Um, those terms kind of helped me, but they kind of bit me in the you know where. Yeah. Because it was much too intellectual. And so um, I hid. I hid in books. I hid in my brain. Mm. And it took uh, about 30 or so years to get to a place where I was ready to write books. Wow. 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 So during this, this time, was this um, the idea of writing the book? Was this percolating? Did, mm. did you just feel like inevitable? It's, I'm, life is going on, but one of these days I'm going to write this book. Or, or what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I knew that I wanted to write about language. Mm -hmm. and my father's loss of it. Mm -hmm. That that was as far as I had gotten. Okay. And then I kept having these other ideas about American literature, which was great. Um, and so at a certain point when I finished writing this one monograph, um, it occurred to me, okay, now I'm going to write the book about my dad. And... I, I think I started drafting the chapter, but then, you know, another idea uh, for an academic book came up mm. and I threw myself into that. And whether that's because I just wasn't ready to write the book about my dad or or what, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it, it, it took, the way I describe it in the book is that I had given myself an anesthetic that took decades to wear off. Mm. Interesting. So it everything needed to come together. Like I needed to find Bruce to write the book with. I needed to figure out how to get to UCSF for a year. I needed to figure out how to get a sabbatical if I could from mm. Caltech where I taught. So the pragmatic pieces of it took a long time but i think the emotional pieces took even longer well interesting i have, I have yeah. a question about your process um uh, because i i feel this with so like my dad was a super musician and when i was a kid he put me through quite a bit of musical technical musical training right yeah. And now here I am, he's passed recently, and I find myself, you know, picking up the guitar or plunking around on the piano, and I, when I'm thinking of dad, I just kind of go for it. You know, I just, I like pick it up and just strum, or just, you just, like my technical goes out the window, even yeah. though I was, okay, for lack of better terms, trained to, trained to approach it a certain way, right? you being a professor of literature of all things as you started writing like you actually got into the the thick of writing sit down here we go we're going to write something did you find yourself compartmentalizing and going back to the the technical that you have been trained or did you just kind of be like nope loosey-goosey let me get this pen and we're just gonna 
right from the heart. Like how, how was that? Well, first off, I'm sorry about your father. Thank you. Um, I did not compartmentalize. Okay. Uh, and because that, that's what I had done Mm. for so long. Right. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, I describe in the book sort of being in graduate school Mm. and being really happy graduate student by Mm. day and devastated daughter at night. Um, and so writing the book uh, was a way to bring things together. Okay. And the thing is that my identity, I think, as a as a reader and, a, and as a writer, is just so constitutive that even when I let it all hang out, as it were. Right. Yeah. I'm still thinking about yeah. Uh, I'm still thinking about transitions. I'm thinking about structure. The technical, yeah. It, it's just it's just how I'm built. Yeah, um, absolutely. But um, I think the the process of writing is that that's a really interesting question because there were things as I was writing, like I didn't know how chapters were going to. Um, how they were going to end. Mm. So, for example, and and I didn't even know what the structure of the book was going to be. I had some ideas, but Bruce was an amazing literary critic mm. slash neurologist. They Shout out to me. Bruce. We we like Bruce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Bruce wanted me. I told him a story about my mother taking my father to a hearing doctor years before the diagnosis. Okay having trouble hearing the doctor did tests said there was no issue with his hearing and then asked my mother how long they'd been married she told him and he said well he just doesn't want to listen to you anymore oh my wait. gosh wait a minute so, so <laughs> yeah wow yeah. talk so, about dismissive yeah so i told bruce that story and he said that needs to be in the book yeah oh yeah Especially because hearing, well, for many reasons, including the fact that difficulty with hearing can be a sign of something wrong with your brain. Right. Um, And I ended up folding that story into a chapter about my father's diagnosis. And in the course of writing that chapter, I sort of confronted the fact that I actually knew my father was sick before I officially knew he was sick. Mm. And I talk about my dad coming with me to Berkeley, helping me get set up. Yeah. We quarreled in a way we hadn't before, that his mood was really different. And when I said goodbye to him at the San Francisco airport, he he started weeping. Oh. And I thought he was weeping because we were saying goodbye. And I said, Dad, I'm going to come home Christmas time. I'll yeah. see you. Yeah. But he was weeping because it was a deeper goodbye. It was a bigger, it was bigger than that. Oh, so he realized yeah. it, you think, then? Oh, or? you know, this is, me, this is me also being a literary critic, right? Mm-hmm, right. And, and interpreting. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so there were chapters like that. Um, I, I didn't know where it was going to end. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I did 
just kind of follow where I, you know, where my mind and heart were taking me. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and revised, which is what writers do. Right. Well, I, I asked that question because I think a lot of times in our podcast, we are speaking to an audience of like the budding artist. Right. Like I very easily we're like, okay, if you are nervous about writing, but you think you want to do it, do it. Right. And we're, and that is very important to speak to those people, but there are a lot of um, people like you or Elizabeth who are established writers and have a whole career, not just writing, but I'm just using that as an example. You already have a whole career. You already have a technical process. This is like your thing. And then all of a sudden you're faced with grief and you're like, I'm going to use my thing. And then your thing isn't quite as easy as it normally is because you're unpacking a lot. And I think it's important to note that. Um, Right. I would also just say that even though one writes for a living and Elizabeth, I don't know if this is your experience, but like writing is always impossible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really, it's really, really hard. No matter what, no matter how good you are at it, it's really tough. And I should also say that uh, we started in the middle of the book. Like, you don't start with page one. In ah, fact, I wrote, yeah. I wrote a preface after the whole book was written. I thought the memory chapter, because I thought Alzheimer's was only about memory, but it's not. It's about a lot more. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the first chapter. It turned out to be the last chapter. Um, and so you have to just be really flexible open. and right. open and... Um, be able to um, incorporate feedback. Yeah, 100% in my mind, because I am not a writer like you too. I, I'm i like, okay, chapter one, paragraph yeah. two. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is exactly how I would approach it because it's an overwhelming process to me. And I yeah. it, I would probably struggle with, with the thought of being flexible and open because I, I don't have any structure on this. So... Right. I don't know. Um, there's a Hemingway quote that actually I'm trying to find that I, yeah, okay. There's nothing to writing. All you have to sit, all you have to do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. <laughs> and, you know, now it's a computer, but uh, the same, the uh-huh. same thing. I, I totally, I totally get it. Uh, so to talk about memory and the process of writing, did you keep a journal during this time when your dad was, you know, what, what was your, what was your source? What was your primary source? (laughs) Um, I did, I had, I had not a journal, but, uh, I had, I had memories that were just fried into Mm, my brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was an important source. I wrote letters to my father. Thank God he kept them. I don't think he could read them, but they were in a little plastic bag by his nightstand, perfectly opened with his letter opener. Uh, And so I had, I had precious, precious things from that time mm-hmm. yeah. and, and the memories of his illness were so painful, mm-hmm. so traumatic in certain cases mm-hmm. that uh, I, those were my primary sources. Right, right. And um, is your mother still alive? She died several years ago. Um, thank God 
um, it was a, a gentle death. Mm. She came to California and I was able to take care of her and be with her when she died. Oh, how and beautiful. That was, um, that was extraordinarily special mm-hmm. to be Absolutely. So do you, um, as I know for myself, but writing about the death of a loved one is involves obviously, well, not obviously, but for the most part involves other family members. Mm. And especially, you know, it's one thing to write in a journal for yourself how you might be you know, upset with your sister because she did X, Y, Z or whatever. It's another thing to to write something about the loss and, and have it publicly read. Um, right. Was your, did, would, and, and your mother is, is obviously gone, but did that ever come into play that, oh, I might, my mother might not have, have seen this the same way or did you feel she would have supported you? How, how did you tackle that part? My mom did not know I was writing the book, uh, and she died, and a couple years after that, I got the fellowship to study neurology at UCSF, which is the thing that enabled me to really focus on writing the book. And since writing the book, uh, what's been so interesting and Twitter-related to get back the original question. Um, I'm I'm in a caregiver group, and I have found it enormously valuable. And my dad died so many years ago, but I am having this experience now of better occupying the position that my mother was in, mm. and the caregiver group. They're like my mom's yeah. <laughs> and I have some knowledge. I have a sense of what I wish we had done, what I wish we had known. And just to be able to share all that oh, is yes. huge. So yes. I feel like the, my mom is part two in certain ways, although of course she was integral. Right. To, she was the primary caregiver. I was going to say, was she the primary yeah. caregiver? So are you, um, that, that could be a whole nother book in my mind because of the the um i don't want to say plight exactly but people don't always realize well how hard it is to be a caregiver uh and and so um so in your group are there other budding authors in your group perhaps are you encouraging people to write their own memoir um i don't i don't think there are uh there are people who are caregiving, people who were caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Diverse Alzheimer's, and I came uh, across yeah. them. They're out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, it's eight p.m. UK time, like noon to noon to two California time, uh-huh. and anyone can uh, participate. And they have various topics that they cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, most this, this week, it's been about um, finances and dementia uh-huh. and bank- bankruptcy. Uh, yeah. And it, it just sort of covers the gamut mm-hmm. of caregiving experiences. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So um, 
particularly for for our listeners, what would be one big takeaway from your book that um, that would you would hope people, if they read their book, that they would need to know or should know about yeah. dealing with someone with Alzheimer's or uh, or even the process of writing? I'll I'll leave it completely open. What is what is your message? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, for the not the person with dementia, but the caregiver, the family. Yeah. Uh, I think my message would be, you need to let yourself feel. And as hard as it is to feel, uh, it's better than not. Uh, yes. You will feel. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> and so you should um, just surrender mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Um for um, the other takeaways, if you're experiencing hearing issues, get checked. If you're experiencing sleep issues, get checked. Mm-hmm. You may just, you may just need a CPAP, uh, but it may be a sign. Might that be something, something else. Exactly. Yeah. If if you're having uh, mood changes, mm-hmm. get checked. If you're depressed it may just be depression but it may also be a register of something else that's going on right right so i think um the the takeaway is uh not to look away to, ah. to look um to look at it and i write about this i thought that looking directly at my father's illness would be like looking at the sun and i would go blind oh oh yeah like looking at the sun i like that um actually um i'm gonna stop there just for a second cindy um this is really great and i have questions about the process of writing and writing a memoir etc especially for our listeners uh so uh, Hallie, you want to say thank you to another one of our sponsors here. So uh, we did People's Memorial. Uh, I will do... How about Be Present Care? Okay, you got Be Present Care. Sponsored in part by Be Present Care, an organization that provides guidance, support, and conversation. Absolutely. Let's take a moment to thank Be Present Care. This episode is sponsored in part by Be Present Care an organization that provides guidance, support, and conversation for transitions, caregiving, and end-of-life planning. Visit www.bepresentcare.com to learn more. Awesome. Thanks, Be Present Care. Yes. Thank you, Stephanie Elkins over at Be Present Care. Uh, And and speaking of of being present, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about people perhaps who would like to document some of their memories, whether it goes on to a, a book or uh, something they share with family. I know personally, because there was a, a time where it seemed that I was involved in a number of uh, uh, family members who were dying and or at the end of the life. And, and invariably, people wanted to know, well, what was their last day like? And so one of my plays is actually based on something I wrote for literally for the family to know what the mm. last day of, of my cousin's life was that. like. So yeah, that's actually where it started. What? But so, so perhaps, um, obviously, you have an academic background and, and so forth, but someone who wants to document 
their their own journey as a caregiver or their loved one's journey as someone suffering from an illness what kind of what was your process and and specifically how how and why did you or why and how did you find bruce let's see um just for people who uh are looking to uh externalize what their experience is mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a great way to put that mm -hmm. by the way thank you I think if I think that can be really valuable for so many reasons it can be cathartic um, but it also gets back to that issue of looking at something directly like if you have it on the page yeah you see the experience and you you can't deny it <laughs> you can't pretend that it didn't happen because you wrote it right. and you can do it on the page you can you know, record it uh, one of the things i wish i had done was and i don't know if you did this elizabeth um i wish i had recorded my dad's voice mm -hmm. uh, i had his voice in his letters that he wrote to me and that is so meaningful yeah to, mm -hmm. uh, but i i wish i had the voice right that, that's a bit of a that's that's a bit of a tangent um well i just while you're thinking on that point i just want to add um the one thing i was my dad's outgoing message was obviously on his phone was obviously in his voice and in my desire to kind of make an attempt to end my grief which makes no sense but I, I erased I mean, it. it I erased it. <gasps> and no. now I wished I hadn't. Just that just that little uh, bit, hi, this is Bob, you know, yeah, kind yeah. message. I really, so, uh, so yeah. for our listeners out there, if you don't have time to record, but you've got a message because they're outgoing message, just save it. Save it. My, yeah. little, my little extra advice for the so, day. But go ahead. Um, you were saying. Uh, so then in terms of finding Bruce, uh, I as I mentioned, didn't want to tell the story by myself. Uh, I, right. I felt that I had, although this isn't quite accurate, I felt like I had experienced his dying by myself. And it mm -hmm. was too lonely and I needed someone uh, to talk to about it. And it was amazing. I. Uh, thought I was going to write the book with someone uh, at Caltech. We don't do a lot of Alzheimer's research, so I needed to find someone else. Okay. Mm. Found someone at UCLA. She had a writing block. That didn't work. Oh, dear. Hi, Scout. And, uh, eventually, I was sent to Bruce, and I sent him an email, and we met and totally hit it off. Yeah. And he said, do you want to learn some science? And I Ooh. said, yes. And he said, you need to apply to this neurology program at UCSF, which I did. And then I got in. And we wrote it together. And the preface that I wrote after, as I said, having finished the book, was the realization uh, that what I was doing with Bruce that year was in Judaism, when someone dies, you sit shiva. Mm -hmm. And what I remembered after finishing the, the, my chapters with Bruce was when we said Shiva for my dad. Mm -hmm. 
And it was so wrong because usually when you sit Shiva, you sit around, you tell stories, you have memories, you eat bad food. Well, good food. Good food. Yeah. That part we did. Yeah. Um, But memories about my dad, like Mm. his illness just wiped out everything. Mm. And so that year studying neurology, reading memoirs, writing the book with Bruce was my version of sitting Shiva. Mm. And I didn't even know that's what I was asking Bruce to do with me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as you said, Elizabeth, the idea of, you know, ending grief is absurd. Right, yeah. We think we can, but. (laughs) Right, but what it allowed me to do Mm -hmm. that year was to remember my father before he was sick. Mm. And so the last chapter about about memory is, and this is irony again, uh-huh. how it, is I recovered my own memory yeah. of my father. Uh-huh. And that was both excruciating mm. and uh, really, really liberating and happy making. Because mm. he amazing right oh that's fantastic that's oh and i i really struggle with um to your point recovering the memories past the recent right um yeah like my dad was you know so cool and so great but also was totally a pain in the butt and (laughs) we had a lot of head you know headstrong moments and um wasn't the easiest person all the time and and uh-huh. he was very sick in the end and mm-hmm. and so I it's very easy for me to as well to just really get wrapped up in that the sickness the 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 hard ending the, it's you know the uphill battle of it all and then so I I am in a place where I'm you've created a book from it but I'm like learning to dis- I'm in the discovery process of those memories and mm-hmm. and saying oh I I have a great memory of him actually. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. you need to write it down. I do need to yeah, write it down. You do need to write it down. Yeah. Be part of yeah. the, the yeah. stories. So. Well, that's how I'll start writing, and I yeah. won't I won't approach it like a five paragraph essay. Which, by the way, yeah. so everyone knows, I was excellent at five paragraph essays. <laughs> just so, just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> in high school. Yeah. So um, we could that's we could uh, definitely talk talk. Uh, quite a bit on this topic with you, Cindy, but just to sort of wrap it up, um, if someone does want to perhaps immortalize in a way or have Great a legacy word. around their loved one um, or through writing, perhaps, uh, what would you recommend? How would they start in your mm. suggestion? Uh, I think uh, a way to start is uh, by writing down the memories mm-hmm. that you have of the person, mm-hmm. uh, both the really happy ones and the hard ones. Mm-hmm. And for me, I you know writing a book just takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I I I think. You know, you the way the way it worked for me was I had a memory, and then 
I built a chapter around the memory. So like one example, I know we need to end soon, but one example was my dad loved golf. Mm. And he uh, used to get invited to play golf all the time. And then the invitations dried up. My mother told me about this and I was furious. And then she told me that she approached one of my dad's friends and said, why aren't you asking Jerry to play golf anymore? And they said, because he's aiming the golf club in the wrong direction and we can't play with him anymore. Uh. Um, so, and then I have this memory that my mother told me they turned my dad physically in the right direction so that he would hit the ball toward, you know, the tee. Okay. And I had very mixed feelings about that story. I oh, was, yeah. I was, I was outraged. Uh -huh. um, it, it spoke to stigma. It uh, also, as I was writing about it, I realized that these men who were in their late 60s and 70s, like they were all doing the best they could. Right. right. <laughs> they weren't very good, but they were doing their best. Yes. And so I wanted to write about this. And then I also had all of these other stories about playing golf with my dad mm -hmm. that I brought into the discussion. And then I love teaching the sound and the fury which begins with a golf course oh yes and then i tried to learn how to play golf and i was terrible and i was i was invoking zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance <laughs> right. and, you know just be calm and you can hit the ball and so yeah. just like one memory mm -hmm. uh, it, it it just kind of unfolded and so i guess i would just recommend that people do that, mm -hmm. you know, just start somewhere and see where it goes. Start with writing, a single memory, yeah. Writing is, I'm, I'm learning as we talk to different guests, mm -hmm. and especially the ones who are writers. Writing is really a way to unpack the bag, really. Mm -hmm. It's kind mm -hmm. of almost like you're making a list and you're like, okay, this is in the bag, this is in the bag. Right. Oh, we forgot a phone uh, charger, yep. you know. But That's a great analogy. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, very interesting it to hear you all. Yeah all these writers you know kind of collectively i'll say just get it down and yes. start there and then come back to it come you know right. Right. great exactly. advice get it down absolutely yeah so um just to to wrap up where can people find your book oh thank you for asking uh you can uh buy the book at uh, johns hopkins university press okay or um you can order it from your local independent bookstore there's uh, uh we bruce and i put together um a web uh -oh. website which i think is is really lovely it's weinsteinandmiller.com it is very and lovely list plate. thank you weinsteinandmiller.com okay yeah I, my daughter helped put that together, so I really appreciate it. She did that. a great job. I'm a web designer by day, and, and she we, did an excellent a, job. We had a professional designer, and then mm. my daughter sort of iterated with her. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about the website, too, is um, there are pictures in the book that are in black and white. Yes. And they include pictures of the brain, because I wanted readers to yep. know what a healthy brain looked like, mm -hmm. what a sick brain looked like. And then on the website, those pictures are in color. So there's a link 
you can see the pictures in color. Yeah. So, oh, that's great. Yes. And then Amazon, you know. All right. All your, right. But your, yeah. Your, yeah. Amazon. But we big, big shout out to independent bookstores out there. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so, so much, Man. Cindy. This is really. Oh, and uh, congratulations on publishing a book. We also know how One difficult that is. One year anniversary. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so, um, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. And, um, just as a parting comment, if you've got something coming up that's new and different, although I know that that publishing a book is a lot of work yeah. and that, that continues as you as you continue to market, because obviously the topic is still very very relevant. Mm. But uh, we'd love to keep to up to date with you, so just keep us posted. Just tweet us. Hey, yeah, tweet us. There you go. No, even now now you have all my secret numbers and. Yeah. Well, thank you, and uh, that's been another episode of Out of Grief comes out of grief comes art yes and uh, blah, blah. i'm just so moved by this actually I, I have a memory this sparked a memory of my dad and actually oh. i'm gonna go write about it so thank you cindy oh, oh um, glad to hear that so uh, anyway thanks to everyone and we'll see you next week happy wednesday do something artsy today bye thanks. guys bye <laughs>